0: Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast agriculture through a modern lens. This is The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: On this episode, CN Rail signed a deal to purchase Iowa Northern Railway. The Iowa Northern operates 275 miles of track that connects to CN's U.S. rail network. David Jednovic is the Assistant Vice President of Grain. He says they're very excited about the transaction. It's Iowa Northern is a great rail property with very heavy agricultural focus. The United Kingdom announced the suspension of talks after Canada decided not to extend two temporary trade measures, a special quota on UK cheese exports, which expired last December, and country of origin rules on products being exported, which is set to expire at the end of March. Those measures were in place since Britain left the European Union. Canadian Cattle Association President Nathan Finney says the other major issue revolves around Canadian beef. The UK doesn't allow hormone-treated beef and pork imports from Canada, but is able to export approximately 40,000 tons of beef to Canada each year. Fenny says he wasn't surprised by the UK move and discusses Canada's next step. After the break, David Shednovic.
0: Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: Back in December, CN Rail signed and closed an agreement to acquire the Iowa Northern Railway in the United States. With me is David Shednovic, the Assistant Vice President for Grain for CN Rail. So first of all, David, maybe explain where things are right now uh, with that agreement.
0: The transaction closed into an independent voting trust pending regulatory review of the transaction by the U.S. Service Transportation Board, and a decision by the STB is expected sometime in 2024. Iowa Northern will continue to operate independently until the SDB completes its review of the transaction.
1: David, could you provide some background on the rail network today for the Iowa Northern Railway and for CN?
0: So the Iowa Northern is based in Waterloo, Iowa, and is a critical transportation network in Iowa, facilitating high levels of economic development for the communities that it serves. The company has been long regarded as one of the country's premier and fastest-growing independent shortline railroads led by the Sabin family. Iowa Northern operates on 218 route miles in Iowa and connects with CN's rail network at Waterloo and Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Its main line runs northwest from Cedar Rapids to Manley, Iowa passing near or through Mason City, Waterloo, and Cedar Falls. In addition, Iowa Northern operates on two branch lines, one from Waterloo, Iowa to Old Wine, and the other from Forest City to Belmont. CN's overall rail network connects Canada's eastern and western coasts with the U.S. south through an 18,600-mile rail network. CN operates roughly 573 track miles in Iowa through its subsidiaries, with CN's largest Iowa rail yard at Waterloo. The CN Main Line in Iowa starts on the eastern side of the state at Dubuque and runs out to the Fort Dodge area where it branches to Sioux City to the north and Council Bluffs to the south.
1: And what about the history of Iowa Northern Railway? What can you share with us?
0: So the oldest pieces of the Iowa Northern were built back in the 1860s by the Cedar Rapids and St. Paul Railway Company. The main portion of the Iowa Northern Railway line had its beginnings back in the 1870s. The Burlington, Cedar Rapids, and Northern Railway came into existence at that time, and it was formed to take over operations of the Burlington, Cedar Rapids, and Minnesota Railway. That road ultimately became part of the Chicago, Rock Island, and Pacific Railway in the early 1900s, known better as the Rock Island Line. The Rock Island ceased operations in 1980, and shortly thereafter, the Iowa Northern commenced rail service, starting between Cedar Rapids and Vinton, Iowa, building out the rail program from there. Multiple shippers along the line were key to getting the line up and going again. So now fast forward to 1994, when a group led by Dan Sabin, a second-generation railroader and whose father started out as a steam locomotive fireman in Manley, Iowa, took over management of the line. Millions of dollars were invested in improving the efficiency of the line, which had a track speed of 10 miles an hour when it was acquired, while at the same time enhancing reliability and customer service by increasing the track speed between Manley and Cedar Rapids. What had been 15,000 carloads of traffic in 1994 became 45,000 carloads by 2008, and the rail traffic volumes on the Iowa Northern have grown significantly since then.
1: So what is the mix of traffic like that um, Iowa Northern Railway handles today, and what does it look like?
0: Iowa Northern directly serves close to 20 grain elevators, two ethanol plants, soybean processing plant, two mineral processing facilities, and handles other commodities such as fertilizer, farm machinery, food, chemicals, and lumber. And then, of course, there's the concentration of grain processing in Cedar Rapids that Iowa Northerns fit so nicely with. CN was attracted to the Iowa Northern opportunity not just to connect customers to longer single-line service, but also the strength of rail shipments that move entirely on Iowa Northern's tracks.
1: David, what would you say are some of the key benefits of the transaction?
0: So this transaction is good for rail customers, and it's good for supply chains. CN's investment will provide Iowa Northern with access to broader markets and greater capital so that it could continue to grow and serve customers in Iowa. CN's investment will help Iowa Northern provide safe and reliable first-mile and last-mile service to customers. CN will couple Iowa Northern's local service and CN's network reach to offer Iowa businesses competitive single-line service to destinations throughout North America, including eastern and western Canada and the U.S. Gulf Coast and Mississippi River over CN's 18,600 miles of rail network. The transaction will provide Iowa customers with new, more efficient single-line options, as well as support the growth of local customers organically. Customers in a wide range of agricultural and industrial markets will benefit from the transaction, which also preserves market optionality. So this transaction is good for rail customers, and it's good for supply chains. CN's investment will provide Iowa Northern with access to broader markets and greater capital, so that it could continue to grow and serve customers in Iowa. CN's investment will help Iowa Northern provide safe and reliable first-mile and last-mile service to customers. CN will couple Iowa Northern's local service and CN's network reach to offer Iowa businesses competitive single-line service to destinations throughout North America, including eastern and western Canada and the U.S. Gulf Coast and Mississippi River over CN's 18,600 miles of rail network. The transaction will provide Iowa customers with new, more efficient single-line options as well as support the growth of local customers organically. Customers in a wide range of agricultural and industrial markets will benefit from the transaction, which also preserves market optionality.
1: And David, any final thoughts?
0: I have a lot of respect for what the Iowa Northern team has built up over time, and this transaction is all about growth. If you're buying something, it's to create value, and that's exactly what CN plans to do here. Coupling Iowa Northern's local service and CN's network reach.
1: David Jednovic is the Assistant Vice President of Grain for CN Rail.
0: Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: The Canadian Cattle Association is disappointed but not surprised to see talks between Canada and the United Kingdom stop over a few disputes, mainly Canadian beef. Nathan Finney is the president of CCA. And Nathan, do you feel that, uh, first of all, the federal government has uh, stepped up for cattle producers with regards to this particular trade dispute?
2: It makes you wonder, and we're, we're kind of concerned that it's more of a protectionist market than an open trading market. So at this point, you know, negotiations are off, which are disappointing on you know getting some of these trade deals accomplished. But, um, you know, we've we got to give the government of Canada its props for standing up for us beef producers and, and drawing the line that uh, they're not bending on until these bilateral issues get resolved. We're going to continue to hold the line on that.
1: The UK is at the negotiating table now for involvement in the Comprehensive and Progressive Trans-Pacific Partnership, or CPTPP, as it's called. Do you see this as a negative when they are in these types of negotiations?
2: I would think so. I mean, they're the only country that holds our food safety systems to this regard and doesn't recognize it like the rest of the world does. There isn't an issue anywhere else. The science and, and the rules you know, the research are behind us on that. And there's a reason why we do trade with as many countries that we do. They recognize it. And I think it shows a clear signal when they get up and walk away from the table that aren't willing to have these conversations and move on it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that our government drew a hard line and said, no, we're, we're going to protect our producers and, insu- and our food safety system, which is, is the gold standard. So, I I mean, it would raise question if it was me, if if they're really considering free and open
0: trade.
1: Now, the feeling is all trade rules need to be science-based. So, is this something that uh, the government and CCA will continue to push for uh, to break this deadlock?
2: When it gets politicized, you don't have free trade because it can go any direction. So, if we're international, wants to trade, globally it has to be science and rules based and then you have a standard which you can follow but until that if we start politicizing every every issue you don't have free trade you have whatever the government of the day decides that it may or may not want to support or have the political pressures of what they may and may not want to support so this way here regardless of of who's governing the day across the globe
1: Canada and the UK will continue to trade through an agreement called the Trade Continuity Agreement. But if there is no movement, do you see Canada taking other action like putting tariffs on British goods? And uh, would you be in favour of that type of move?
2: I would. I mean, we've got ample trading partners uh, across the globe that show good, open, fair trade. And as far as I'm concerned... You know, we should continue to support those trade deals and negotiations to people that want to. And that's where we should be focusing on sending our products and receiving products from those, from those places as well.
1: Nathan Finney is the president of the Canadian Cattle Association. CCA also created an awareness campaign with other cattle groups called Say No to a Bad Deal. And that was in response to the recent trade issues with the United Kingdom. Here are the top agriculture stories for the week of January 29, 2024. The UK paused talks to strike a free trade deal with Canada, citing a lack of progress. The two countries announced the formal start of negotiations on a new trade deal with Canada in 2022, seeking to replace an interim deal put in place following Britain's departure from the European Union. The Canadian government said it was disappointed that the talks had been paused, suggesting the lack of progress came from the British side. Some call it a mystery chickpea disease, while researchers refer to it as an emerging health issue. The problem surfaced in 2019 in southern Saskatchewan. It reappeared again the following year. Both years featured early dry conditions followed by a big dump of rain. Chickpea plants had a Vlata sclerosis, wilting and some plant die-off. Michelle Hubbard, a plant pathology research scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, says the disease has not spread very much over the past three years. There have been reports of the mystery chickpea disease in the U.S. and Australia. A resolution to increase the provincial portion of the beef checkoff was paused at the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association Annual General Meeting. The resolution called for a $1.50 per head increase starting April 1, 2025. The new total would be $3.50, with the money used to fund research, new technologies, open additional export markets, and inform consumers on the value of beef. SCA Chief Executive Officer Grant McClellan says there was good discussion and amendments to the original motion were defeated. The provincial beef checkoff was last changed in 2012. SCA Board of Directors will discuss the resolution at its next regular meeting. The eligibility area has expanded and deadline extended for the 2023 Saskatchewan Canada Feed Program. Ten additional designated RMs are now added to the area eligible for full cost sharing of an initial payment of up to $150 per head. The expansion responds to dry conditions that further impacted livestock producers through the later months. This past fall, the application deadline is extended to March 15th. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency approved 3 nitrooxopropanol, known as 3-NOP, for use in Canada. It's a livestock feed ingredient aimed at reducing methane emissions from cattle. Canadian Cattle Association says that it and the National Cattle Feeders Association have consistently advocated for new innovations such as methane-reducing feed ingredients to be available in Canada like their global competitors. Reducing methane emissions by 33% by 2030 is a goal of the Canadian cattle sector. According to the most recent National Beef Sustainability Assessment, the sector is on track to meet that goal. MPs returned to Ottawa following the Christmas break, a key issue for the agriculture sector and one of the first bills expected to be discussed is Bill C-234. That's the conservative bill, which seeks to take the carbon price off natural gas and propane used by farmers for running grain dryers or for heating barns and greenhouses. The Senate sent the bill back to the House of Commons with amendments that eliminate any reference to heating barns or greenhouses and tighten the timeline for the legislation. The next wave of automation is coming to large square baling. The 2024 Case IH Baler Automation is a hands-free design and is the industry's first light detection and ranging baling system that sends out laser pulses to measure the position and size of the windrows. The technology adjusts the speed and steering of the tractor to maximize throughput without overloading the baler, resulting in increased run time compared to traditional baling producers can put less experienced operators in the cab the federal government will become a founding member of the efficient fertilizer consortium created by the foundation for food and agriculture research efc is a private public partnership that funds research on novel fertilizer products and practices that help farmers produce crops while reducing environmental impacts A biodegradable micronutrient seed coating has been developed by Lucent Biosciences. Nutriose is non-toxic and plant-based and was designed to address the growing concerns surrounding microplastic pollution. Lucent Bio is co-developing and conducting trials with seed companies using the Nutriose seed coating technology. Lucent is building the first Nutriose manufacturing plant in British Columbia.